What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Remember the Game. It is my retro gaming podcast where almost every week a buddy of mine and I sit down and we geek out about the games we played back in the day. My name is Adam Blank. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And and this week we are talking about the games we played back in the day, uh, but we're talking about playing them now and playing them as fast as humanly possible. This is one of those rare episodes where we actually shift away from just talking about a particular game, and we just talk about the gaming hobby as a whole. It's an episode that I'm really, really fucking excited for. Uh, We're talking speedrunning, which is something that a few of you have been asking us to cover on the show for quite a while, and admittedly, I don't know a lot about speedrunning. I can barely beat most old video games, much less do it really, really fast. Uh, So I went out and got an expert. I got a hell of an expert. I'm very, very excited to welcome the one and only Summoning Salt to the podcast this week. And if you don't know who Summoning Salt is, uh, he is a speedrunner. He's also a YouTuber. In the speedrunning universe, Mike Tyson's punch-out from the NES is his claim to fame. Uh, He holds several punch-out speedrun records, including... The fastest ever TKO of Mike Tyson himself, clocking in at two minutes and 97 hundredths of a second. Just basically two minutes flat. I, I, I can't even get to Mike Tyson, and this guy can beat him in two minutes. That is just fucking unreal to me. So he holds, he holds a whole bunch of Mike Tyson's records. Uh, he's got a, some other speedrun, uh, some really big accomplishments in the world of speedrunning as well. And then in addition to being a speedrunner himself, he also has a YouTube channel, a phenomenal YouTube channel, where he breaks down the history of speedruns across various games. He explains how speedrunners have reduced the time that they've taken to beat these games over their various years and the various you know improvements of the records and things like that breaks down the strategies that they used it's, it's really interesting that's actually how I found him my YouTube algorithm just randomly suggested one of his videos one time I watched it just got completely addicted and I've been watched most of his channel uh, much like the way I binge like Sopranos and Breaking Bad they're really phenomenally done you don't need to know anything about speedrunning to enjoy the videos he does a great job of explaining what's happening so that you don't feel lost they're just uh he's got a great voice as you're gonna hear like it's I've always said that I have a horrible voice for podcasting but I do it anyway summoning salt Sounds like he could be reading National Geographic fucking documentaries. So really well done. Uh, he recently surpassed 1 million YouTube subscribers. So if that's not a testament to the quality of his videos, I don't know what is. And uh, after getting hooked on his channel, I-, I reached out to see if he'd come on the show to talk speedrunning. And he was courteous enough to oblige me. So we had a great talk about the speedrunning hobby, tips for new speedrunners, the community. We talked about his speedruns and his world records, his videos. I think you guys are going to really dig this episode. Now, his info is in the description box of this podcast, including how to find his YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash summoning salt. And I highly recommend checking it out. Highly recommend it. And if you're new to Remember the Game, maybe this is your first ever episode of our show and you're here because of Summoning Salt. Uh, First of all, thank you and welcome. My name is Adam. I'm a professional, I say that in air quotes, stand-up comedian from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I'm 37 years old. I love video games. 
Uh, and this is not a normal episode of our show. Uh, but if you're interested, check out our archives. There's 139 episodes prior to this one. We cover games from the NES right up to the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. There's a ton of profanity, a little bit of humor. There's no history lessons here. I don't get into how the games were made or anything like that. There's enough retro gaming podcasts doing that already. We just like talking video games so check us out if you're interested i will warn you newcomers as well our intro to this episode or to our podcast is called the infamous intro and it's pretty fucking bulky we talk video games and stuff like that each week we play a game called play one remake one erase one where we take three retro games and you have to play one remake one and erase one it's pretty self-explanatory uh and they're pretty long I'm not going to lie to you. They're pretty beefy. They can go 35, 40, 45 minutes. They're almost their own podcast, okay? And that's coming right now. So I would love it if you checked out the whole show. But if you only want to hear the chat with Summoning Salt, just check out the description box of the podcast. We don't run ads on our show. So uh, each and every week, you will see the handy timestamp right there telling you what to skip to. And you can get right to the conversation with Summoning Salt if that's all you're here for. Uh, Cool beans. Cool beans. All right. And with that said, with all that said, it is time for another edition of the Remember the Game infamous intro. First off, this is my final reminder because it'll be over by next week's episode. My online comedy show is this Saturday, March 20th, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. I think it's fucking Wednesday at 3 in the afternoon over in Australia and UK. Uh, tickets are 20 bucks Canadian on Eventbrite. You only need one ticket per house, okay? So it's a great deal. Uh, I posted some pics of the studio on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook this week. It really is like a top quality professional production. Uh, it's not me trying to run it because you guys have seen my Twitch streams. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And believe it or not, I don't suck at stand-up comedy. So I, I think you're going to get at least 15 bucks worth of laughs out of this. So uh, you buy one ticket and then the night of the show, they will email you a link that you click on to watch. And if you have a camera, I'll be able to see you as well. Former Remember the Game Hall of Famer Mark McHugh will be there as well, opening act. If you didn't know, Mark's actually a pretty funny comedian in his own right. He's not just a, a video game nerd. He's a comedian himself. Uh, he's going to be opening and then I'll be closing the show out. It's going to be a, probably about a 75-minute show. Uh, this is the first time in forever that I foot the bill to produce a comedy show of my own instead of just getting hired by somebody. So if you're sick of Netflix, check out our comedy show on Saturday. Just look for Adam Blank on Eventbrite. I think I'm the only Adam Blank on there and you'll see your tickets. I would love to see you. And this is also the final reminder that Sunday, March 21st is the deadline to sign up for our Patreon and get a Remember the Game lanyard courtesy of me. It's two bucks US. You get access to all of our old bonus podcasts, plus all the future bonus podcasts for the month. You get access to early podcasts. You can submit comments to be read on all our shows. Vote for the games we cover on Remember the Game. Join our Discord. DM with me. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, episode 50 of our Patreon exclusive show expansion pass went live this past Sunday and I decided to rank my 20 favorite SNES games of all time. It's been very well received minus a little bit of criticism for my order, but I stand by the order I put those games in. Uh, and as is becoming tradition here on the show, I'm going to give you a quick sneak peek of the most recent episode of expansion pass episode 50, my favorite SNES games ever. This next game on my list is the furthest thing from a hidden gem. It was a launching point for one of the greatest franchises and genres in gaming history. It's a game everybody has played. My 18th favorite Super Nintendo game of all time. 
Super Mario Kart. Uh, Super Mario Kart's one of those games, everybody's played it, most people love it, maybe not so much for how well it holds up, because, but because we all grew up playing it together, you know what I mean? Maybe some people look at Super Mario Kart now and think like, eh, I don't know, but anyone that grew up playing it has a soft spot in their heart for the original Super Mario Kart. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, I replayed it on my Switch when it showed up there on SNES, SNES Online, and I think it holds up better than you might imagine. If you haven't played it in a long time, I suggest firing up and giving it a try. And then you, like, I was fucking obsessed with this game as a kid. I made my own Mario Kart board games. I grinded and grinded at this game to, you know, good, good. I beat everything. I got all the gold trophies, and I just kept playing it over and over and over. And then Battle Mode? Oh, forget about it. Oh, it was just, it was the first party game. So like I said, that, that went live this past Sunday. That's just one of a mountain of bonus episodes waiting for you right now. I think there's about 65 bonus podcasts sitting in there waiting for you. This Sunday for episode 51, we are going to talk God of War for the PS4 by popular request. It'll be a spoiler-free review followed by a, a short spoiler cast, so I won't ruin anything for you if you haven't played it. So again, two bucks gets you all that, all the old episodes, future episodes, and if you sign up by March 21st, you'll get a lanyard. And I'm, I mean, we have, it has been just insane. Uh, a huge thank you to everyone that has signed up on Patreon in the last seven days. JMC, Logan, or I don't know if it's J Mick, JMC, fuck, and hey, listen, like, when you sign up, I'll mispronounce your name on the podcast, like I do everybody else's, so a huge thank you to our newest patrons, let's try this again, J Mick, Logan Hale, Doogie, Matthew McLean, Pizza Power, Too Loud for the Crowd, Nathan Freak, Mike Burks, Trevor Seven Oaks, Ryan McCowan, Sarah Snow, Fob, Paul, Wolf Magic K21, Johnny CCDC, and Joel LeBlanc, uh, thank you all so, so much. Welcome to Remember the Game Industries, patreon.com slash remember the game. I can't do this without you guys. It's fucking wild, man, how fast we're growing. So thank you. And then finally, as always, I stream on Twitch a few nights a week. We used to go Tuesday, Thursday, and then the weekend. We've changed it up. We're going to try rolling Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday afternoon for the next little while. So Tuesday, Wednesday nights, Saturday afternoon. Look for Member the Game on Twitch, not Remember the Game, Member the Game on Twitch and it'll tell you whenever I'm on there and you can come see me and we're laughing. Uh, guy, I hate, I hate that part of the show, the plugging my stuff. I know it's my job. The reason we don't run ads and stuff on this show, I really came close to turning ads on and I'm fighting it tooth and nail. Cause I don't want to have you guys to listen to ads. There's your ad. It's just me trying to pronounce big words, but I always feel greasy self-promoting. It's part of your job. When you do anything like this, it just sucks. Uh, Robert Lippa, wrote into us on Patreon and said, Hey, I've been listening for quite some time and I've been a member of the Patreon for ages. And you have, Robert. You're one of the OG hot dogs around here. Uh, Robert said, I thought Patreon was dumb and the idea of paying someone who does next to nothing was kind of dumb as well. You were the first honest person I've seen plugging a Patreon. You were giving back while utilizing the rest to maintain Remember the Game. I could tell that pledging five bucks wasn't just going into your pocket. I was buying into a company. I was actually putting money into something I wanted to grow. The way you refer to Remember the Game as ours and the way you use we instead of I really makes this content feel less like you're making it out of a necessity to keep pledges. 
but to create it because you legitimately believe in the community that you've grown. And speaking of the community, while I'm not active on Discord, I'm too old to figure that out, I see the friendliness from everyone. It's a testament to you for bringing together a group of hot dogs that can get along, and it's refreshing to see that not every video game community is toxic. I'd like to close this by saying I'd love to see you stop apologizing for promoting yourself. You're a comedian. That was your job prior to COVID. You're not trying to sell us some MLM. You're selling yourself. I don't think you should have to apologize for trying to make a living. Even if you started slinging G Fuel or whatever the work, a video game pre-workout mix is called, there shouldn't be any need for an apology. You, like everyone else, needs an income to survive. It's not selling out or saucing some corporation's tacos if you start promoting products. You are fucking amazing. The Remember the Game members are fucking amazing, and I hope everyone is having a rad day. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robert. That I um I wasn't sure if I should read that on the show because I was like, I know I suck my own dick on the show a lot, but that's just that. Thank you. It um that's I appreciate that. That's among the nicest things anyone has said to me since my dad told me that I cost him a bet when I graduated high school a long time ago. So that's that's nice, and I'm and I'm glad that the 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 way I care about the community comes through because I say it all the time. But what we've built here isn't just mine, man. This is ours. We did this, you guys. In in just under three years, we're charting on podcast charts against shows from IGN, fucking Kotaku, Kind of Funny, Colin's Last Stand. Uh, and, and I listen to some of those shows. I'm not slagging on those shows, but we're doing it without a big following or without a giant website behind us or anything. And I'm very proud of that. I'm proud of our community, and I really appreciate that, Robert. So thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and that's that's enough blowing myself. You guys know how this works. Let's blow you guys. Let's blow in some cartridges. It is the official opening segment of the show. I read a few comments and questions from our Patreons, usually gaming-related, but not always. And we call this segment Blowing in the Cartridge. He blows all right. He blows big time. That's it, honey. Get into the spirit. <laughs> and I, I got to be honest with you guys. In be- between our three opening segments that we do every week, we had 100 comments from our community to pick from this week, which is just the best possible problem that a podcast host could have. So thank you all. I could not read all of them, but I did read all of them. Uh, Personally, I can't read them all on the show. Fucking sick. So thank you all so much. Let's blow. Our first blower this week, excusez-moi, is Andre SJA Flash, who said, Oh, the forthcoming irony. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles praise the fucking video game gods. Shredder's Revenge is on the way. Let me get serious with you all for a moment. I saw the news drop for this game, but I didn't actually watch the trailer until Friday, and I was on the verge of tears. That moment watching the trailer finally made me realize the impact that Ninja Turtles has had on my life. The Turtles were a legitimate cultural phenomenon in the 80s and 90s, and while they may not hold that status nowadays, they're still a really big fucking deal. My stepson and son both enjoy the Turtles. In fact, my son, who's a Cuphead prodigy, played through Turtles Rescue Palooza with me and loved every second of it, even though he didn't know 80% of the characters. Seriously, Adam, get on that game. I know it's on your long list, but it's time to start bumping it up. Anyway, sorry for the length here, but I just felt the need to share this moment with my retro family. Thank you. Uh, Yes, Flash. First and foremost, I ranted about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge on my gaming news podcast Game Patch last week. But thank you again to everyone that sent me the trailer for this fucking game the morning that it dropped. I had like, I must add two dozen notifications on social media from people being like, did you see this? Did you see this? If you've never listened to Remember the Game, you don't know. I, I am a huge Turtles fan. 
we as a community have been willing a new Ninja Turtles game into existence for years. And it finally fucking happened. And I'm so excited for that game. Bet your asses that as soon as we hear more about it, we're going to talk about it here on the show. They haven't given us a release window or anything. I'm praying it's this year, but I'm not holding my breath. We've already waited so long for another Turtles game. I can wait another year. If it means getting it right, I'll wait. As long as I know it's happening, I'm, I can be patient. Uh, Flash mentioned just how big a deal the Ninja Turtles are, particularly to those of us that grew up in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and I can't agree more. Like, they're obviously still relevant today, but like, like I was born in 1983, and I don't remember a time in my life without my NES, and I don't remember a time in my life without the Ninja Turtles. My left arm is a Ninja Turtles tattoo sleeve, for fuck's sakes. Like, they're on my body forever. And I agree with you, man. I don't think there's another intellectual property out there that's had a bigger effect on my life than the Ninja Turtles. Like, maybe Ghostbusters. Because I think Peter Vankman is why I decided to become a comedian. But the Ninja Turtles are just a phenomenon. And to see kids love them today, just like we loved them when we were kids, like they really have stood the test of time. They're not a fad. They are legitimate cultural icons. So I get it. I cannot wait for this game. Fucking praying that it's good. I think it will be. I really do. Between Streets of Rage 4 and Scott Pilgrim versus the world, there's just too many reputable names attached to it. So I can't wait. And I swear on Donatello, I'm going to play Rescue Palooza soon, I promise. If you don't know what that is, it's a fan-made spiritual successor to like Turtles in Time and stuff. It's that art style. It looks sick. It's free to play online. Uh, I'm actually going to attempt to get the creator of the game on the podcast down the road as well when I finally get around to playing it. I will play it soon, I promise. Uh, Good stuff, Freak. Way to kick us off with some Turtles. I love it. Murat Pepper wrote in and said, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Will remember the game podcasts keep going? Will comedy take priority again? Or will you just pick up another profession? I'm curious. I'm sure the audience is curious as well. You're doing an excellent job in my opinion, and I really enjoy listening to your shows. Uh, Thanks, Pepper. I appreciate that. This is actually something I think about a lot myself. Like, what am I going to do with this show as I get older, you know, and comedy comes back after COVID and stuff. And Honest Pokemon Trainer kind of asked something that ties into this as well. Uh, Pokemon trainer asked, do you ever have days or periods where you suffer from lack of motivation and burnout? I know we've been making content for a similar time and there are days where I think, uh, fuck it. But then I push through anyway. Do you have those moments? And if so, what is your motivation to keep going? So to answer Pepper's question, uh, where do I see the show in five years? Uh, I, I do have a lot of days where I wonder that myself in case you don't know the longest I've ever stayed at one job in my life is six years. I, I get bored. I get bored of routine. I just like a new challenge. You know, it's, I never, it's not like I keep getting fired from jobs and going to different ones. It's just, I'm like, all right, I have nothing left to accomplish here. I have to go to another one. And that was kind of what motivated me to start to try comedy. And then comedy was what motivated me to try podcasting. And now here we are. So you asked if stand up comedy will take priority over remember the game at some point. Um, no, I can honestly say it won't. It never will. I've never hidden the fact that I don't, I, I like doing stand up, but I don't care for the lifestyle, the comedian lifestyle. I hate being on the road. If you've never driven in Northern Alberta, Canada, long, scary ass fucking drives in the winter on horrible icy roads through the prairies with no one around for fucking hundreds of kilometers, there's bad paydays, there's no paydays. You know, you don't know if you're going to get paid from gigs sometimes. I don't, I don't think I'll ever quit stand up comedy altogether. But I have no ambitions to be famous, to go on long tours or anything like that. My favorite shows that I do are actually like 
community centers and bars in small towns, you know, doing fundraisers for animal shelters and sports teams. There's so much fun. They pay better than comedy clubs do. I don't have the answer to an agent or a club booker or anything. Um, and when I started Remember the Game, I just wanted to talk about video games. And it's grown so much. And obviously the last year, I've, I've tripled down on this thing because I haven't been able to do stand-up. Uh, and I don't think stand-up will be a regular part of my life again until fall at the earliest because of, you know, obviously COVID and rolling out vaccinations and stuff. And I'm hoping that if I keep working at this show and we keep watering this little weed of ours, uh, remember the game will keep growing and provide me with enough income that I can pick and choose my comedy gigs instead of having to take every five-hour drive each way in the winter to make 150 bucks. So this will always be a priority over stand-up. Uh, will I still be doing this show in five years? That I don't know. Like the one thing I've never gotten bored of in my life is video games. Everything else I've tried, I've gotten bored of. But video games have been the one constant. So I, I think, I truly feel like it's a gift to be able to talk about something I love as much as video games and do it for a living. And I love podcasting. I re- I would love to launch another wrestling show. I would love to launch a Ninja Turtles show. I just don't know if I have, I can't, I, I'm turning out three podcasts as it is every week. I don't think I'll ever stop podcasting. Um, maybe the show format will change someday, but I will be producing some kind of podcast content until I retire. I really believe that. I love working on stuff I'm passionate about. I love this show. I love our community. I've said it many times, but I'm more proud of this than anything I've accomplished in stand-up comedy. And my comedy, you can hear it on SiriusXM, and I have albums where I've worked with Just for Laughs and stuff, and I would rather fucking... I'm more proud of this. So as far as Honest Pokemon Trainer's question about getting burnt out, I do. Uh, yeah, between the three podcasts I turn out a week, turning out YouTube videos, Let's Plays, streaming on Twitch three days a week, I work on this. I probably put 90, 90 hours a week into these these shows, and I do it for, you know, whatever my Patreon's at right now, which I think is like seven hundred fifty bucks Canadian. So, you know, it's uh, it's a passion, it's a love thing. I, I, it's just that I I do I do worry about getting burnt out. That's why I actually recently just switched my calendar around to have no stream on Sunday, so I have a day off altogether. I have nothing on Sunday. And then the other thing I do to fight burnout is I try to focus on other stuff. You know, there is stand-up, which eventually I'll be back to. I read a lot. Uh, I love to just take my dog. I I walk my dog two or three times a day. Uh, I've gotten pretty into working out. Just things to just keep my mind off of the, the shows. And when I do start to burn out on this, I remind myself that the alternative is going back to being in another warehouse, which is what I did for 15 years before this. Going back to Uline again. And fuck that. I'm never working for those pieces of shit again. You know, and then I take a week off at Christmas. I'll probably take a week off at some point during the summer just to kind of reset. Um, yeah, and I think what really fights off burnout for me is that I just tell myself this is this is my job, and I because I, it is. And I know a lot of comedians that do nothing all day and then bitch that they don't have any work and they're not making any money. And here's the thing: if you want a steady paycheck, and this goes not just to comedians but to content creators, Twitch streamers, anyone, if you want a safe, steady paycheck, get a real job. To me, the trade-off for the freedom doing something like this or stand-up comedy provides is the fact that if I don't work hard, I don't have money to eat, you know? So I take holidays when I need them, and the rest of the time I remind myself that this is my job now, and I just put in my hours like I would anywhere else. So that's how that's how I look at it. If you want to treat if you want to treat content creation as a hobby, go ahead, and that's fine. But if you wanna if you wanna get paid for it like a job, then you need to treat it like a job and put in that time. That's how I look at it. So uh, good questions, guys. Thank you. 
couple more we're going to rip through here before we get to play one, remake one, erase one. Gary C. wrote in and said, Hey, Adam, I was flipping through Netflix this week and stumbled upon the Ric Flair documentary, which is excellent. I don't think I appreciated just how big a deal that guy was. I knew he was up there, but I was just slightly too young and British to experience him in his prime. I very much grew up in the WWF Hogan era. As a fellow wrestling fan, I just wondered what your opinion of the Nature Boy was and what wrestlers got you into the sport. I don't follow modern day pro wrestling very closely, but it seems there aren't as many big stars as there was back in the day. Also, congrats on smashing past the 200 Patreon milestone. And to bring it back around to video games, have you seen the Retromania video game, uh, wrestle, the Retromania wrestling game vids on YouTube? Is supposedly a spiritual sequel to WrestleFest. Uh, Gary, I've absolutely seen Retromania. Uh, I cannot wait for that fucking game. I was really excited for it, and then the console versions got delayed just a couple weeks ago. But I'm really excited for when it comes out. I was actually talking to them about coming on the podcast. It just fell through. Um, so it is what it is. I love Ric Flair. I didn't get too into Ric Flair until WCW in the second half of the 90s, but I think he's one of the GOATs, one of the best ever. And as someone that loves heels, which is bad guys for non-wrestling fans, I think he's one of the best ever. I I would pay good money to have a beer with Ric Flair. And, uh, and then The Undertaker is the one that got me into pro wrestling as a kid. I saw him and I thought he seemed like something out of a video game. I think he's the greatest character in wrestling history. I don't care what anyone says. Love him. Uh, John Byrne 86 wrote in and said, Hey Adam, I just joined Patreon and have been harping on a few friends to at least listen to your podcast. The turtles in time episode got me hooked. Simple question. Are there any video game movies or TV shows that you really enjoy watching? Personally, I love the old Mega Man show, even if it was terrible. Same with the Doom movie. I thought the first person sequence near the end was going to show up everywhere. Swing and a miss. Can't wait for your comedy show on Saturday. Cheers from Newfoundland. Lord Thunder and Jesus. Thank you, John, for writing in. Um, quickly, my, I, I don't know. My guilty pleasure is probably the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. I used to love that cartoon. I used to love the old Mega Man cartoon as well. I haven't watched, and Captain N. Oh man, but I haven't, I haven't watched any of them in forever. So I don't know how they hold up. I don't think there is Sonic, the Sonic movie or the Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil movie are probably my favorite video game movies or shows now. Uh, Ryan White wrote in and said, my turn to blow. If you know what I mean, <laughs> I get it. Ah. Uh, I have a gaming thought that may have been addressed before, but I thought I would discuss it. Have you ever turned on your game system, stared at all the titles awaiting you and just felt no drive to play? This feeling hits me randomly. I'm not sure if it's stress from daily life or something, but sometimes I feel so charged to play games and then I end up playing nothing. It feels like gaming depression. Video games are one of the best ways to de-stress in my opinion. So I find it odd when I just can't find that drive to play. Uh, I definitely get it, Ryan. I, it's funny, too, because, like, right now, right now, I have a Nintendo Switch full of games. I have four mini retro consoles, my NES, SNES, Genesis, PlayStation, uh, that may or may not have had games added to them. I have an Xbox Series X with Game Pass. I have a PlayStation 5 with the PS Plus collection. I own a ton of games on all these systems. I can play a game from any genre I want. I can always play something different. And, yeah, I, I, sometimes I work hard all day with the plan to veg out for the night and just have a couple of puffs and just play some video games, and then I just don't want to play anything. I, I absolutely get it, especially right after I finish a game that I was really into, and then I have a hard time getting into the next one. I, I absolutely feel that. And I used to force myself to play anyway, but um, then I usually just end up kind of not liking the game that I'm playing, so now I don't. If I sit down, pick up my controller, and just nothing clicks, then I just turn it off, and I watch a movie, or I watch Simpsons, or I read, or something like that instead. I don't force myself to play anymore. The games will always be there. You know, sometimes a, a couple of days away is all you need. What is that saying? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. That's I fucking nailed that. Bro. Oh, yeah. 
pulled that out of the top of my head. Fucking right. One more. And I know it was a lot of blowing this week. There was a lot of comments, and I really wanted to answer some of those questions. Our final blower this week means it's the letter time letter. So it's letter time. It's letter time. Gothsea wrote into us on Patreon and said, I've played a lot of Mario games, but I've never beaten one of them. If you were going to pick one Mario game for me to play to completion, which one would I choose or should I choose? Also, should I avoid using shortcuts? Uh, well, boy, it's funny that you would ask if you should avoid shortcuts on an episode of the show where we're talking speed running. <laughs> like that's just too good a fit because speed running is all about shortcuts. Uh, so to answer your second question first, uh, yes, I would personally say avoid shortcuts, at least in your first playthrough, see it all, take it all in. I guess you could argue, skip as much as you could the first time and then try a full, a full playthrough once you get good. But I think games are intended to be played the full way through. So I would say play the whole thing first and then later you can skip the stuff you didn't like the first time. Uh, as far as what should you play? Uh, yeah, because I meant to say like when I play a Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, whatever, I don't use the warps. I don't use Star Road. I just, I play the whole thing. I like the journey. So if I had to pick one Mario game for someone to play to completion, what would it be? I think it comes down to whether you prefer 2D Mario or 3D Mario, because that's two very different experiences. If we're talking 3D, I think I'd probably recommend Mario Galaxy. It's not my favorite 3D Mario game, but the quality of it is just superb. My girlfriend, who doesn't even play video games, has played through it without needing help and loves it. I think it's perfect. Odyssey is great as well, but I think Odyssey is a little different than most Mario games. If we're talking 2D, my heart says Super Mario World. But I could make an argument for Super Mario 3 or the original Super Mario Brothers. I think everyone should have to play the original Super Mario Brothers in school. I, I really, yes, everyone should have to play that game. So I guess if I had to pick one, it would either be Mario 3 or Mario World. I, hmm, I would say Mario 3. Mario World is better, but the cape and stuff can be a little tricky. Mario 3 is just a few hours of bliss, tons of power-ups. Oh, but you can't save... Ah, I'm telling you not to skip. Uh, all right, never mind. Play Super Mario World. Super Mario World, Gothsey. That's the one. Let me know if you end up playing through it, all right? Super Mario World. And that's all the blowing this week. Uh, we still got to play Play One, Remake One, Erase One. We still have to get to Summoning Salt. So let's get into our Smash Hit segment. Play One, Remake One, Erase One. And a huge thank you, as always, to Classic Concentration from the NES for unknowingly providing us with our theme music for the show. Uh, the rules are simple. Every week, I give our listeners three retro video games. They can play one as it was released. They can remake one as a modern game. And the third game is erased forever. And this week, in light of the new Ninja Turtles game announcement, I thought we'd run a Ninja Turtles edition of the show. So our contestants are the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament fighters and i went with these three games because i feel they're all different they represent three different genres if we had just gone with three beat-em-ups it might have been kind of flat now we actually have an action game a beat-em-up game and a fighter i like the variety as always there are no wrong answers but there is a correct one we'll get to that in just a minute we got almost 40 ent entries this week so I, I read them all personally i squeezed as many in as i could uh, thank you to everyone that played. Michael Mathis wrote in and said, play Turtles in Time, arguably one of the best beat-em-ups ever, and it just scratches that Turtles nostalgia itch. Remake Ninja Turtles for the NES. I would love to see a fixed version of this game, better graphics and controls. I want to see it more like the series instead of just random things that have nothing to do with the franchise, more mini-bosses, maybe a leveling-up system. And then I would erase Tournament Fighters. This game blue. Get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> so as... <laughs> So as you kids are about to hear, 
This was the popular order, particularly about playing Turtles in Time. And, and it makes sense. Turtles in Time is great. It's still totally playable. And I agree 100% with you said what you said, Michael, about remaking the first Turtles game on the NES as well. Uh, I'm, I still think that there's fucking some meat on the bone there. I am praying Shredder's Revenge sells well and we get a deeper, more complex Turtles game like the one Michael described in the future. God, I want that. Chris Coplin wrote in and agrees with you, said play Turtles in Time. It's damn near perfect beat-em-up. It just don't mess with it ever. Remake Ninja Turtles. It had a lot going for it. It's not that bad, but with a bit of refinement and some better level design, it could be great. And then Erase Tournament Fighters. It's not that good when compared to Capcom or SNK Fighters of the era. I could see a remake here with Arc System Works at the helm, maybe, but the beat-em-up genre fits the Turtles better. Plus, it would probably come with a bunch of bullshit DLC and a shitty one-player mode. Yeah, the DLC thing's a good point. I hope that the new one's not pumped full of that kind of garbage, but I, I, yeah, that's a great point, Chris. And you are right. Beat-em-ups fit the turtles better. I agree with that. Mike Malo, uh, Mike Maloney. Now I'm finally saying your name right, Mike. Mike Maloney. Maloney. I pray I said that right. Said, first of all, this is cruel and unusual, unusual punishment. Play Turtles in Time. It's an amazing game fitting to be played like this forever. Remake Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. Re, uh, watching what they did with Rash and Killer Instinct gets me salivating for what a fighting company could do with the Turtles in a current gen fighter. And then erase the original Ninja Turtles. Despite its greatness, I feel that they did so much better in the sequels and with the popularity of of the movies, TVs, and comics, you wouldn't have to worry that future games wouldn't be made because you erased this one. And that's an interesting take, Mike, because we always talk about if you erase the first game in a series, does the future exist on this show? And, and we do, there is no definitive answer to that. Uh, but Mike's right. Ninja Turtles is so big. You could dump the first game entirely. The rest of those games could easily exist. So that's a good argument. Uh, Joshua Davis says, damn it, this sucks. I would delete Tournament Fighters as it was a fun game, but it got stale quickly. I would remake Turtles in Time and give it the proper remake it deserves, not that reshelled bullshit they pulled on the Xbox 360. Update the graphics, add a new Waves mode that increases enemies and throws bosses at random. Think Gears Horde mode, but with waves of foot and multiple bosses getting thrown at the same time. Plus, Donnie could upgrade you between waves. And then play the original so that it may live forever as one of the hardest games in history and be used to torture gamers permanently. Uh, Joshua, you got read on the show this week simply because you shit on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time reshelled that remaster, which was awful. The rest of your comment is fine, but I hated that remake so much. I was, ah, oh, nailed it. A-Town says, play Turtles in Time, remake Tournament Fighters in the style of Injustice 2 and give it a good storyline. Erase the original. I hate to say it because I used to play it all the time growing up and I love it in spite of its flaws. Uh, I think I, I like the idea of remaking Tournament Fighters. And not enough people are considering that. For anyone that watched the 2003 Turtles cartoon, imagine the Battle Nexus tournament, but as a fighting game. And if you've not seen it, at least look up the storyline to the Battle Nexus tournament. It is fucking awesome. And the person that wins it is incredible. It's so good. I love that. A couple more here. Too Loud for the Crowd says, dude, this is tough. I would play the original Turtles the way it is. I get closer and closer to finishing it every time, but I always die at the Technodrome. I know a lot of people dislike this game, but it has to be the most challenging of the three. I would remake Turtles in Time. Uh, stoked for this one. Maybe you could unlock hidden playable characters, levels, or difficulty. And I love Tournament Fighters, but there are so many better fighting games at the time, it can be erased. Uh, props to you for playing the original one too loud. I know a lot of people shy away from that game. I could not get to the Technodrome until a, fun, a few months ago. And now that I figure out how to beat it, dude, you're almost there. Keep with it. 
Chris Goodfellow says, play Turtles in Time, no explanation necessary. Remake the original Ninja Turtles so that I can get past the goddamn seaweed. Erase tournament fighters. You can play fighting games from numerous games that did better. Uh, <laughs> the fact that you said that you'd play, you'd remake the original just to get by the seaweed, Chris, is good enough for me. I like that. Uh, and one more here. Mega Man 2 OG says, play Turtles in Time, just an overall excellent game. Remake Tournament Fighters. I think they could do something great with updated graphics and controller mechanics. The roster of playable characters could be really something special too. And unfortunately, erase the original Ninja Turtles. Although it's a game I played a ton in its heyday, it certainly isn't without its flaws. Uh, and this is what I was talking about, uh, like what Mega Man just mentioned with the Nexus tournament, man. Like Ninja Turtles is such a sick roster of characters for a fighting game. Obviously, there's the Turtles, there's Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, Slash, Splinter, Casey, Rat King. It just like, oh god, it could be so good. So I agree with you. Now, until very late in the game, nobody had the same answer I did. Trevor Seven Oaks was close. He said he would play the original Ninja Turtles as it's fucking classic that brings back angry Trevor memories. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Remake Tournament Fighters could be a pretty special fighter when in a next-gen style. And this means I would delete Turtles in time. And I hear you saying what, but if I had not seen the announcement that a new Turtles game was on the way, I may very well have said remake this as Streets of Rage 4, but seeing as it's already in hand, fuck it. Send this one to the bin. And I understand what you're saying, Trevor. You had the balls to erase Turtles in time. So did I. I and I and it seems blasphemous, but I didn't remake Tournament Fighters. Mr. Satan came in on Patreon at the last second and had the same order that I did. Mr. Satan said, I thought, um, oh, never mind this part. Okay, Mr. Satan said, uh, <laughs> for the record, Rise of the TMNT is the best show. Fat Splinter and cocky leader Leonardo are the bestest. Uh, I can't get on board with Rise of the Ninja Turtles, Mr. Satan, but as far as your order goes. Uh, I never played the Tournament Fighters, so I'd have to play that one before I nuke it. I would erase Turtles in Time. It was fun back in the day. I used to play it with my son, and it's fun for the first 20 times, and then it gets boring. Uh, and I would ooze the NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Make it open world with fast travel in the sewers, but while you fast travel, you could skateboard through them. You could do side missions to upgrade your base. You could have a garage where Donnie's making new equipment, maybe work in the turtle van. Maybe you could play as April or Casey to expose the foot. Uh, have multiple fighting styles for all the turtles. They could learn new moves in the dojo from Splinter. I, yeah, I fucking, yes, Mr. Satan, yes. Now, my initial plan for this myself was to remake both the original Turtles game and Tournament Fighters, but I respect the rules around these parts and I can't do that. So personally, I would do what Mr. Satan said. I would play Tournament Fighters. Uh, I love the fact, first of all, that this game is not just another beat-em-up. Frankly, as I've said, I think the Turtles universe could make a phenomenal fighting game. Uh, also, I've never played Tournament Fighters. I've never played it. So I have to try it before I get rid of it. I have to. I know it's not great, and I would love to remake it, but the problem is that I can only remake one, and I don't play a lot of fighting games. I am not burning the one I can remake on a fighting game. I'm remaking the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And as I've famously bragged about on this podcast a few times, I put in a, quite a few hours into getting good at this over the past few months, and now I can beat this game pretty easily. But even before I got good at it, I loved it. We covered it back in the early days of Remember the Game. I said it then. I stand by it. There's a good game in here. There, it's a, there's a good game in here. They didn't go with the tried and true beat up up formula. There's puzzles. There's platforming. There's stage variety. Enemy variety. God, I would love to see a modern version of this game. Imagine the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game done up in like an Arkham Asylum fucking art style or something. That's oh, So that's the game that I would remake.
And then I would erase Turtles in Time. And look, I like this game just fine. Okay, I love it. I'm not remaking it because the reshelled port we got a few years ago sucked taint, and I don't ever want to go through that again. And I have no need to play this game anymore. I played it a trillion times. If we erase it, I still have the other two beat-em-ups on the NES. I still have Hyperstone Heist. I still have Rescue Palooza. Shredder's Revenge is coming soon. There's nothing wrong with this game, but we have so many Turtles beat-em-ups. It's like we already have a George. You know what I mean? We don't need this anymore. So I would... I would erase it due to a no fault of its own. And that's my order. Thank you for playing, everybody. I stress every week about not being able to read all your entries. Uh, but if I read too many, then it starts to, you know, the, they'll start to bleed together. So I got to pick some. If you did not get read, keep playing. You will get read on the show sooner than later. I promise. Let me quickly break down what I've been playing over the last uh, seven days. And then we'll talk speed running with Mr. Salt. Uh, mostly Resident Evil 2 Remake. I, I finished it last night. I finished the Leon playthrough. I actually had dreams about Resident Evil 2 all night last night, probably because I stayed up late playing Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, it's fucking awesome. It was a gift from uh, Slick Rick, a member of our community. Thank you, sir. Fucking so good. It's incredible. Like, I suck with scary games and movies, but this one just hooked me. It's fun enough to offset the scariness. And I liked the original Resident Evil 2, but this one is off the charts. Cannot recommend it enough. So fucking good. Um, my girlfriend and I are almost finished Mario 3D World. 100%ed it. Uh, we, we, uh, we're getting a lot of lag in the Joy-Cons near the end of the game. It wasn't a problem in the early levels, but it's really bad in the later levels where you need that instant fucking reflex to jump and stuff. So we've stopped playing it two-player, and now we're playing it docked with the pro controller and just taking turns. Uh, as some of those late levels are so hard, trying to do them with two people would be fucking hell anyway. And then I've been playing Halo Reach on my Xbox Series X. I never played Reach, ODST 4 or 5 when they came out, so I'm slowly playing through the campaigns to get ready for Halo Infinite, and um, it's just a fun distraction when my heart can't take Resident Evil 2 anymore. Uh, and I'm digging it so far. We'll see how it ends, but I like Halo, so I'm digging it. Oh, and I've been playing Star Fox 64 because it won our Patreon poll, as you guys know. Uh, we're recording that episode this week, and it should be live before the end of March. I remember the game all about Star Fox 64, and I think that's it. That's good enough. This has been a long intro. Let's get into speed running. Now, normally, I give you guys a chance to sound off about the game that we're covering on the show. But this week, I asked if you had any opinions on speed running instead of a particular game. And almost two dozen of you did. So I, I couldn't read them all again, but I, I got a few in here. A couple of them are long. Normally, I wouldn't read them that are this long. Uh, read them when they're this long. But, but it's interesting to hear different takes. So I'm going to read quite a few here. Uh, Martin Greenwood wrote in and said, it's a boring way to ruin a game that someone has spent years making. It's like having time with your wife and speed running grown up cuddle time. No, no, just slow down and enjoy it. Uh, it's an interesting comparison, Martin. I gotta be honest. Ask my girlfriend. I am a world record speed run holder in there. Fucking world record. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I get, I get what you say. I get why you're saying that. I get why someone wouldn't want to watch a speed run. But I don't think it ruins a game. I think it's just a different way to experience it. Do you know what I mean? I And honestly, like Summoning Salt's videos have kind of shown me how much talent some of these runners have. It's it's pretty remarkable. So I kind of used to feel like that, but I've 180'd on it. Keegs wrote in and said, Speedrunning is pretty cool, but I only care about the, you know, quote, vanilla or legit speedruns. No tool-assisted runs or nothing using glitches or exploits. Just good old-fashioned get good. Watching some of the jumps and shit people do in these games can be crazy, especially because I know I'll never be able to dedicate the time to doing it myself. Uh, yeah, now I mostly feel the same way as you, Keegs. I don't mind glitches when there's something like in Super Mario Brothers, 
uh, in Bowser's Final Castle, they they pull off this like picture perfect jump off of kind of a pixel that's on the side of a pipe to get up on the pipe instead of having to hit a block to get up there. I don't mind that. I don't really care for stuff like falling through a floor or a wall to warp to the end of the game. That doesn't interest me, but that's just me. I understand what you're saying there. Ryan Bayshore said, I'm fascinated by the speedrunning community, particularly Mario Kart games, taking a game and studying it so in depth that you're able to optimize the usage of time and pass to get it done as quick as you can can be very exhilarating. We actually get into, uh, Ryan, we get into uh, some of Summoning Salt's Mario Kart 64 videos that he's done. And I don't disagree with you at all. I actually found... Uh, the, the Mario Kart 64 video to be among the most interesting videos Salt has made as both a Mario Kart super fan as someone and as someone that just appreciates good video gaming, you know, to take a game that's designed around going fast and try to be the fastest at it intrigues the shit out of me. I totally get it. Sharonic wrote in, this is kind of a long one, but I, I like what he said. Um, Sharonic says, I've gotten pretty deep into speed running over the last couple years. These days, I spend more time watching people game or listening to gaming podcasts than actually playing myself. And speed running is a great way to experience retro games again as a viewer. It's certainly a different way of playing than what most of us experienced as kids. We had to deal with running out of lives and continues. We worried about preserving health, collecting items along the way. Speed running way is a way that's much more methodical. Practicing using save states and constant resets. I know that kills the purity of it for some people but that tight feedback loop is the only way to truly get good at a game and just to butt in that's how i figured out how to beat turtles on the nes was save states to practice the harder later parts instead of having to play through the early parts over and over and over again so i agree with that uh, back to Sharonic's comments. Glitches are another thing that ruin the purity for some people, and I get it, but it's a spectrum. There are also small boosts, skips, or wall clips that just save a second or two. They don't really ruin the spirit of the game for me. There are some that bug there are some bugs that break the game in so much bigger ways. Then there are others like the Super Mario World credit warp that are closer to hardware hacking than speedrunning to me. I think the speedrunning community addresses it pretty well with various categories. If you don't want glitches, many games have glitchless categories. That said, many of the glitches are not easy to execute as it's as much of a skill as regular gameplay. Personally, I have some interest in technical details of the games and speedrunning speed running does some insight, does show such, bleh. boy, I suck at this, man. Personally, I have some interest in technical details of the games and speedrunning does shed some insight into how some things work at a deeper level. It's especially great for NES games as the hardware is pretty simple, so some things are just easier to understand at a high level. Just as an example, Ninja Gaiden has a lot of randomness. If you get to the final boss at 11 minutes 20 seconds, you get one pattern of attack. If you get there at 11.25, you get a different pattern. Right now, the world record is stuck at 11.38 because the boss patterns are bad if you get there any faster. The community probably needs to find two or three second time saves before they can get into a good pattern again. The Super Mario Brothers frame rule is another example of technical details making a huge difference in speedrunning. For content that I like to watch, my personal favorite speedrunner is Arcus. He has a Bob Ross vibe that's great to watch in the background while I work. Games done quick is always good for variety. Best of NES Big 20 competitions are cool. Or just go down the YouTube rabbit hole of world records for games that you like. Well said, Sharonic. It's a long comment, but I really liked it. I don't have anything to add. 
You basically summed up how I feel as well. It's just a different way to experience games. And I get that it's not for everyone, but I've really developed a great respect for it. And you're not the only one that brought up Arcus. Stefan Fukasawa wrote in and said, the only speedrunner I follow the U- or I follow is the YouTube channel of Arcus because he has such a great gimmick. He's an amazing player and I find his videos oddly relaxing. I love the Summoning Salt World Record videos because they compress 10 years of all the micro improvements that have reduced games times fully explained for those of us not in the community into an easy to understand and entertaining 45 minute video. They're amazing documentaries. If you have any interest on the topic, can't agree with you more salts videos and the way he breaks down runners, uh, what the runners are doing and how they're doing it is phenomenal. It's easy to follow. It gives you an appreciation for how precise it has to be. And it's the whole reason this episode is happening. I would not have talked speed running without summoning salts videos. Finally, Doxer says, I have to agree that the punch-out progression video from Summoning Salt made me subscribe to him immediately. Personally, I think that speedruns are awesome because they test the reflexes and abilities of the runner. I really enjoy watching speedruns. My personal favorites are Yoshi's Island, Mario 3, Punch-Out, and Pokemon or any other RPG without glitches. Thank you, Adam, for this awesome guest get, and thank you, Summoning Salt. We all welcome you as a hot dog. Uh... (laughs) I didn't realize how many members of our community were already watching Summoning Salt's videos, which is fucking awesome. And uh, it's finally, it's time to get there. Why don't I shut up and get to the interview you guys are all here for? So um, I'm going to queue up some punch-out music because it just seems fitting. And when we come back from it, I'm going to talk about the world of speedrunning with YouTuber, speedrunner, and world record holder, the one and only Summoning Salt. Let's go. Okay, so uh, joining me via the blank phone this week, and it actually isn't for the first time in the history of this show, we are not doing this via the phone. And that's for two reasons. Number one, my guest does not live here in Canada, as far as I understand, and I'm a cheap man who doesn't want to pay long distance. And number two, my guest is somewhat of an enigma, and I love it. I'm so excited to have this guy on the show this week. I've already plugged it up in the intro. Joining me via the miracle of the interwebs is uh, Summoning Salt. How are you, my friend? How's it going? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so just to lay the the groundwork here, you guys, and set the table. I know most weeks I don't shut the fuck up and my guests kind of, I'm going to shut the fuck up. I want to hear what, what, what Mr. Salt here has to say. Uh, I discovered you on YouTube about a month and a half ago and uh, you, you make speed run videos. You talk about the, the history of speed running various video games. You're a speed runner yourself. So before we get into anything else, I'll ask you, uh, in in two minutes or less, can you explain to the audience what exactly you would describe you do with speedrunning, what speedrunning is? So speedrunning is the act of beating a video game as fast as possible, start to finish, doing whatever technique that you can. And uh, as trivial as that sounds, people have made a really big thing out of it now. It's been going on for a couple of decades and there's leaderboards and world records and there's a whole big, whole big community around it. And what I do on YouTube is I make videos that track a world record for a particular game and I see how it's gotten lower over time. So like Super Mario Bros, for instance, you'll see the record was five minutes and five seconds back in 2006. Then I'll talk about how a guy lowered it to five minutes flat a year later and then a 459 in 2011 and a 458 a couple years later. And I'll just go on and on like that. I'll explain what strategies they used, who the people were that did this. 
Uh, and I just try to make it as interesting as possible and tell it kind of like a story. And I've been doing it for just over four years now. And I, dude, and I gotta say, like, uh, your your videos are just. When I discovered your, when I watched your first video a couple of months ago, like, I I know nothing of speed running other than the fact that it exists, and I know there are people that try to beat games as fast as they can. And I watched one speed run like a couple years ago of Earthbound. Uh, which is one of my favorite games ever. And I actually stopped watching it about halfway through because the guy was using all kinds of, you know, for lack of a better term, glitches and little, you know, little secrets and stuff like that to manipulate, you know, trying to get out of battles or avoiding enemies and stuff. And it kind of made me like, I was like, I don't want to know how the magician does their tricks. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see that there's an easy way to beat earthbound without grinding and stuff like that. Cause I I've beaten earthbound a hundred times, but there's no chance in hell that I'm running through earthbound in a few hours and avoiding fight. And then, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I don't want to, it's they, it, they intimidate me a little bit. You guys make, you guys make an average gamer like me feel like a piece of shit. Like I don't know how to play my video games. Cause you guys are so good at it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it comes after a, a pretty crazy amount of practice. And I mean, there, there's this stereotype that speedrunners, you know, like have no lives and are just grinding in their basement all day, hours and hours every single day of the week. And I mean, it's not really true, but there is a bit of basis in fact, where we do put a ton of time into playing these games. Um, so, you know, just, just realize that, you know, the end result for this stuff doesn't come before hundreds of hours, sometimes even thousands of hours of playing and getting good at it. I believe that because it's like, dude, most of our listeners are retro gamers themselves. Like I told you, I'm 37. I The NES is where I started when I was four or five. And most of you listening to this that grew up playing anything retro, NES, SNES, Genesis, whatever, you know how how unforgiving some of those games were. And we had to practice and practice. I just beat Ninja Turtles on the NES for the first time. Uh, about a month ago and I was so proud of myself because I just practiced and practiced and practiced and it's like and it took that much practice just to be able to get to the end of the game so I dude I I think most people believe you I can't even fathom the practice it would take to be able to do it in the fastest possible way that just oh my god it's it's mind-blowing to me so the one thing I wanted to say is with your videos dude you do a phenomenal job of explaining what's going on and i'm gonna and i'll make sure that we plug your videos and stuff at the end but i just really want to emphasize that to the listeners right now and i want to ask if you have any history with this stuff because when i watched your first video do you you not only explain you know things like the the pixels and where mario could land in the super mario brothers on where he could jump off pipes and things like that not only do you explain what they're doing but you explain how it works and the science behind it and things like that like do you have any kind of a like Dude, did you like, why did you start making videos and how did you get so good at it? Cause like you make them in layman's terms without making me feel stupid. Like I understand it despite never playing it. I know exactly what's going on as I'm watching because of you. It was pretty much just finding um, an area of YouTube where I felt it was underdeveloped. Um, there's this video from I think 2013 about uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which is the game that I speed run. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy named Sinister One made a video called Piston Honda 2 World Record Evolution, where he talked about how the world record for this one fight in that game uh, got lower over the course of about 10 years, 15 years. Um, and it was really interesting to me because I had been you know, playing that game for a really long time at that point, and I had gotten close to the world record and I knew everything he was talking about. The only problem with that video is that it was about two hours long, about one fight. So outside of people who weren't really that interested in Mike Tyson's punch out, unless you were a hardcore fan, you know, I don't know if everyone, everyone is going to be interested in that. And I thought, you know, probably some people are going to lose interest after 
30, 40, 50 minutes, something like that. Yeah. So I saw that video and I just thought, okay, what if I did essentially what Sinister is doing here, where he's taking a fight, talking about the world record history, how it got lower, but I learned how to video edit instead and I condensed it down to something about 15 or 20 minutes long. So I picked uh, the fight in that game that I had and still have the world record on, which was Mike Tyson. Yeah. And I tracked the history. I made sure I had it all straight. Uh, I taught myself how to video edit, which uh, actually isn't as hard to do as, as you might think. You, you just kind of, you can pretty much Google any question you want to know about your editing software and it'll pop right up. Yep. Um, so I learned how to do that, put the video together over the course of a week or two. Uh, put it out there and the reception has been so positive that I've just kind of kept going and going and refining my skills and gradually the videos have crept longer and longer in length as I've wanted to go into more detail <laughs> but um, yeah I haven't made a video under half an hour long now in a really long time but uh, but you know what though dude? it's so funny because like longtime listeners of this podcast will know that to a lesser extent I'm in the exact same boat when I started podcasting all I knew is I was a comedian who knows how to talk to a microphone I had no idea how anything audio the equipment editing posting it none of that worked and you're right Google can teach you anything if you're willing to put in the time and and the practice um, but that's not to take away from what you do man because uh, you, you mentioned that your videos have gotten longer and longer. And as I've worked my way through the, your library, I've noticed that. But the thing about it is like, if the, if the video is qual, give me a 45 minute video, that's quality. And, and I have no problem with that. It's these people that try to make these really, like you said, not to come down on the, on the other video maker that you mentioned, but like, I don't want, if it's two hours and it's incredibly niche and dialed into just like you have to be really into that game or that genre or whatever to watch it people are going to tune out especially in the world of the internet people will turn like you have you if you lose people's interest for five seconds they're going to go on to something else and your videos are so well produced like i'd swear that you, you like i said to my girlfriend when i was watching i was like he could be putting these on like netflix and people would watch these like they're just they're really first you have a phenomenal narrative narrating voice as well uh, I'm sure people can hear it, especially considering <laughs> okay. my voice sounds like someone that's stuck halfway through puberty. Like you sound, you have a great voice for it. And the videos are just top shelf and you explain everything. See, uh, but that's how I felt about my, my voice too. And I started was like, I don't like the sound of my voice yeah. in audio recordings. Of course, I'm like everyone else, but yeah. over the course of like four years now, I've kind of just gotten used to it and I've just put up with it. And now I just try to ignore it. And, yeah. That's yeah. all you can do. I, I tell people like as a comic, like, I, I watch videos of my comedy and I'm like, dude, I, why does anyone listen to like, I'm awful that voice, but you're right. It's just, that's just what it is. So, uh, so then, okay, well then you brought it up and I wasn't going to go there and we'll, and, but we'll get there now while it's sitting right in front of me and then we'll get back to where you started. But uh, you have the might, you have several punch out records, if I'm not mistaken from the NES, you have several speed run mm -hmm. punch out records. Now, now before I, before I ask you about your records, uh, salt. I gotta say, so I watched your progression of the Mike Tyson world record video. And if you guys haven't seen it, it's fantastic. And it's just basically, like I say, he just explains how people have gradually beaten Mike Tyson faster. And I'm so irritated by it. Cause I can't get to Mike Tyson, much less beat him, much less beat him as fast as you guys do. But the coolest thing, man, and you deserve a lot of credit for this. And I hope you've gotten it is at the very end of the video, you just kind of show how the record has dropped over time. And in the last maybe five seconds of the video, it says summoning salt and your time. So you are the current world record holder for beating Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out the fastest, correct? 
Yeah, I am. You're talking about the Matt Turk video, right? Or that's right. About that one guy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I've been speedrunning Punch Out now for almost six years, I think. Okay. I actually, I got the world record for the game before I even made any YouTube videos. Um, so that that's kind of how I got my start in speedrunning was with Punch Out and a couple other games. Um, and yeah, I've held I've held the record for the fastest completion of the game, like the whole game start to finish. Uh, for I think we're just coming up on five years now and uh, Mike Tyson alone I've held that record for about four and a half years uh, there, and there's a few other records for a few other fights I've held here and there but none of them for super long term uh, the okay. only two that I really focus on is just Tyson and then the whole game because those are the ones that I find the most interesting the most fun so I, I, I love the way that you didn't like go out of your way to point out that you have that record in the video. You just kind of casually, yeah, I love mm -hmm. that. You just like so nonchalantly snuck it into the end. Like, yeah, by the way, that's me. I I'm the, I'm the record holder. Uh, so, but, there's a little backstory behind that. Actually, uh, if I go into it real quick, go. the first video I ever made, I mentioned before was on Mike Tyson. Cause mm -hmm. and I did it because you know, I had, I knew about it and I knew the record history and I held the record so I could talk about it. But I made that video with the audience in mind that it was just going to be, you know, my, the people who liked punch out a lot, the people who already knew I was the record holder. So in that very first video, I didn't really change my tone of voice at all. I was, I was going, okay, sinister one held the record and then Zallard took it to 210. And then I got the record with the 206 using this strategy and people found it, you know, years later, after I've made all these other videos on these other games, people found it really funny that I would just casually mention I was the record holder and not make any big deal out of it. But at the time, it wasn't weird at all because I was just, everyone watching that video at the time knew I was the record holder. So it was like, oh yeah, of course, why would he make any big deal out of it? Right. I was just some tiny little YouTuber. And now because people find that so strange, yeah. I kind of go out of my way to not make a big deal out of it. And people seem to find that really funny. So I'm just, I, I just kept going with it. I love it. Cause I'll dude, bet, like I, it, I don't have a world record time by any stretch, but when I beat Ninja Turtles, I mm -hmm. told everyone that would fucking listen to me, everybody, <laughs> even people that don't even know what the Ninja Turtles are. I was like, look at, I beat this game that I couldn't beat forever. And you're sitting here holding the world record against arguably the, like the most infamous boss in nes history like the biggest final fight ever and you're just yeah i don't know whatever but you but i get now why you wouldn't have brought it up so i just thought it was so classy the way you did it so now i'll ask you then without spoiling your your whole video because i really think people should be watching these videos but you did a great job explaining kind of um for lack of a, the the science or the math behind the mike tyson fight and how how you know how pixel perfect and frame perfect and everything it has to be like can your because like if i'm not mistaken i'm looking at it right now it's two minutes zero seconds and then there's two minutes point zero nine like nine seven like two minutes point nine seven microseconds or milliseconds or whatever it is right that's the yeah, record it's, it's two minutes and 97 hundredths of a second thank you 97 hundredths of a second it like is it mathematically possible do you think to beat that time at this point yeah there's a lot of science behind that fight and it yeah. gets really complicated but um Basically, the theoretical limit for that fight, like we have this thing on in speedrunning called a TAS, which is a tool-assisted speedrun. Yeah. Where people go in an emulator and they make they go like frame by frame and use save states to make what a theoretical perfect fastest time could be. Mm -hmm. Um, so the task time for Mike Tyson is 158.61. Um, and the record now is 
kind of extraordinarily close to that at, at yeah. two minutes 97 i mean we we never thought i never thought it would get that low and yeah. it somehow has um it, it can go lower it can go under two minutes but honestly i think it's a lot more likely that we're going to get three or four more records that are under 297 but still above two minutes before we go under two minutes Okay. Uh, 159 is like a really cool sounding time and it would just be incredible. But right now the, the pattern and everything you'd need from Tyson is just ridiculously improbable combined with all the other stuff you have to do. Yeah. And like, and like you said, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. You guys should really check out the video, but the, you, you kind of get into details about how there, you know, there's, and I'm just using round numbers, but there's, there's a 25% chance that he will do this. There's a 50% mm -hmm. chance that he will do this. And to, to get that, that, that tool assisted, is that task? That's what it was the task yeah, run task. to right. get that task run in theory. Not only do you need to land every punch at the exact right moments and everything, but you would need Mike to have every star aligned and do all of the fastest possible attacks at whatever that he's going to do as well. Right. Yeah. So, no, Mike Tyson, you essentially need to win, um, I don't know, like 20 something, um, 50, 50 coin flips in a row to have any shot at getting the record or getting <laughs> close to the record even. Um, and the whole game, Mike Tyson's punch out in general is like that is it's extremely random. Um, people have made tasks of the whole game before and the, the, we've actually calculated the odds in getting, uh, uh, in getting a run that would be equivalent to the task, just the sheer like probability of getting the patterns you would need. Right. And I have it written down here and it is one in 629 septen decillion, which is 6.29 times 10 to the 56th power. So uh, now Mike Tyson alone isn't quite that crazy. We're probably only like six times 10 to the 20th power instead of 56th. Sure. But um, you know, still that's not going to happen ever no and, and then like and then like you mentioned not only do you need you know to have the perfect run right you not only need that that run to happen statistically but then you have to not choke and land all the perfect punches at the perfect times and everything as well right yeah mike tyson is a really unique fight because over and over your whole execution is just landing frame perfect punches and a frame perfect punch is a punch that has a 60th of a second window to time it Oh. Um, and yeah, it, it, you know, it's actually a little easier than it sounds after you've done it thousands and thousands of times, but at the end of the day, you still have to hit 20 something frame, perfect punches that it, there's still a level of difficulty that that will bring, even if you've done it thousands of times. Sure. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's tough. It's to say dude, the least. Uh, or like watching it. Part of me is like in awe of you guys. Part of me is livid because there's like a famous Twitch stream of mine uh, dude, Soda Popinski has owned my ass since I was a child. I cannot, and I don't know, like, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not on your guys' level, but, like, I consider myself fairly decent at video games. But for some reason, Soda Popinski owns me. And I and we had a stream a couple of months ago where I spent two and a half hours not able to beat that guy. And I was just livid at the end of it. And I have since beat him. Now I can't beat, who's after him? Mr. Sandman, I think. Or no, Bald Bull. Uh, Bald Bull, Bald too. Bull too. Yeah, yeah. And I can't beat Bald Bull now. But but the fact mm -hmm. that I finally beat him, I was so elated. And then I watched you guys' video and I was like, dude, what the you guys are making it look so fucking easy. It just makes me so mad. 
Uh, well, um, we, we have tutorials out there, the speedrunning community for Punch-Out, we have tutorials to teach you fast ways to beat these guys, and some of the easier strategies that don't take that long to learn, so if you're ever interested in getting revenge, I am. Um, take a look. <laughs> I am. I, I Dude, it's become a joke amongst our community. Everyone just brings up Soda Pop and Skeeters to try to trigger me, and it works. <laughs> I guess I'm like, dude, that guy owns me. I like, like I, oh god. Anyway, uh, that's something else I wanted to ask you about, is... Uh, and I'm sure I don't expect you to name drop any, you know, bad eggs or anything. That's fine. But like, at least based on what I've seen in your videos, the speed run community seems like they're incredibly supportive of each other group of, of gamers. Like the, the way you guys help each other out is really, really, I like that. Yeah. It's, it's a community that's based on collaboration, which is just a really great thing. I think um, it's, it's, you kind of think of the speedrun community as having uh, evolved from the old arcade high score community. And uh, for those games, it was typically a lot more competitive and a lot more secretive and you didn't want to share your strategies with people. But what's nice about speedrunning is that typically, you know, as soon as someone finds a new strategy in a game, it's like, bam, everyone can see it now. Everyone can try to implement it. Nobody really tries to hide anything very much. And if they do, it's just really short term while they try to do something cool with it. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a community where people usually celebrate a you know, world record being beaten rather than being angry and, you know, fuming yeah. about it. Yeah. It's really neat. Some of your videos you've shown, you know, you'll get, uh, dude, there was the one, I can't remember his name now, but there was, there was one where like, uh, there was some dude trying to break every record in Mario Kart 64. And then yeah. a bunch of the other players, like were they were, no one was against this guy trying to set every record at once, but they were all kind of forming an alliance to come up with ways to beat this guy's records to stop him. Yeah. And, oh my God. I got to clear something up about that. Everyone shoot. is so pissed off at the, uh, the alliance against Matias in that video because they think it was unfair. But what people don't understand is that, and this is true for most of the speedrun community too, people that do that aren't trying to stop someone particularly they don't have anything against matthias the, the guy has 31 out of 32 records they just don't want to see him hold all of them because that's embarrassing if one guy holds every single record in your community right like, and if sorry, I was if, just to just to clarify for anyone that hasn't seen the video so there's 32 yeah. th there's 32 records in mario kart 64 and correct me if i'm wrong but what there's 16 finishing the races the three laps and then there's 16 individual lap records right yeah there's 16 courses and there's two records on each course and right there's one where you do all three laps and one where it's just one lap and, and this one dude matthias was trying to get all 32 records and was getting very close so then a whole bunch of speedrunners were kind of working together to try to stop him and right not and, to interrupt you but there okay yeah no so i probably should have given some more context there but um basically people just assumed okay they have something against matias that's why they want to stop him they're ganging up on him that's awful right. and it's all it was was friendly competition against him against what he was trying to accomplish not even against him right um and i think that kind of thing you'll see that kind of all over the speedrunning community where it's the type of competition that's not actually hostile it's it's friendly competition. People want to see records being broken, but they don't, you know, want one guy to necessarily embarrass the whole community and hold every record at once. Yeah, when I was watching your video, and maybe it's because of the way you presented it, but you mentioned on several times that this, like, this Matias guy was a really nice guy. He was a good sport about it. And I would think if I was in his shoes and I had four, five, six, whatever members of the speedrunning community you know, all jokingly kind of working together to stop me. I, I would think that was awesome. I'd be like, good, you guys had better try yeah. to stop me. You know what I mean? Like, I would think he would take that as somewhat of a compliment that all these guys yeah. want to work together to stop him. 
he has absolutely no ill will toward anyone who was doing that. He, I mean, he wasn't like, yeah, go try to stop me guys. But he was like, he was all, all for it. And he was interested to see what they could do to try to stop him. Um, and I guess if you haven't seen the video, I won't spoil it for you, but it was a really climactic finish. Yeah. I highly recommend it. I was like, dude, so I, I traditionally watch your videos while I, well, not to, I'm not in great shape, but while I work out, like that's, you know what I mean? Like I do a set and then I pick up my iPad and watch a couple more minutes of the video. And, uh, I was just captivated. I just sat in my freezing garage, like feeling like, I'm like, I'm going to finish this. I got to see how this ends now. This was like an episode of a show on TV. Cause I was like, is this dude going to get all these records? I got to see if this happens and I won't spoil it either, but you guys need to watch it. Oh my God. It was fascinating. And that's all I wanted to get back to is like, the only thing I really have to compare this to is, is comedy because that's all I really know. And comedians, there are some good eggs that want you to succeed and want to see you do well. And there are some bad eggs that don't want anyone to achieve anything unless they achieve it. And I'm sure that there are some of them in the speedrunning community, but based on what I've learned from watching your stuff uh, again, like it's, like you said, you kind of have to put the videos out there. Everyone's going to, if you come up with a new trick, everyone's going to see what your trick is, but it really does seem like people are encouraging each other to like, let's beat these records. Let's knock these times down. And I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very uh, world record focused in the sense where people in general just want to see the record for the game get lower. A lot of people don't care who's holding the record. Um, and that's what I try to make my videos about, right? Like it's, it's, it's a story arc. You have characters seeing what they do. And the whole, the whole point of it is seeing how well they can take the record and all this crazy, crazy stuff they can do to, to take it there. Sure. Yeah, it's, I, I love it. I love the sense of community. Um, now I wanted to, and again, I, I don't expect you to name any names, but like, so like you mentioned on your punch out my, Matt Turk video, like there wasn't videos of Turk's runs, at least not at one point when he had all the, 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 the punch out records are, are people able to submit times today, especially with technology and stuff today. Like, is it, is a video pretty well mandatory to submit a new record time now? A new world record. Absolutely. I mean, I yeah. can't think of a single community that still allows even like top level times without a video. Right. Um, I know that, I think they changed this recently, but I know that for a while, um, Super Mario Bros, they wanted, I think any time under 521 to be submitted with a video. But if you had anything above that, they would still let you submit even without a video and they'd usually accept it. Okay. Um, but as times have changed and speed running has gotten a little more cheater heavy, I guess for yeah. lack of a better term. Uh, they tend to shy away from that now and everything's going to require a video for the most part. And that was kind of where I wanted to go with it because like, I mean, I know a little bit of like Billy Mitchell and the twin galaxies and the high scores in the arcades. And I have mm -hmm. my own opinions of Billy Mitchell, which I've made vocal quite often on this show, but uh, like, like, and again, I don't expect you to name anyone, but like is cheating a big problem today? Cause I would assume with editing software and, and emulation and, like it's it's gotta it's gotta be a, a rampant thing that you guys are always on the lookout for these days yeah i mean it's definitely a problem um i'm not really the best person like the foremost expert about this because i mean whenever someone cheats in a video that i'm making i usually just like make the video around like avoid even talking about them if i can like i might just mention like oh yeah someone cheated the record yeah you take the, the high story. road on that kind of stuff um, often i just try to avoid it in general but I mean, people do cheat. It's an issue. It's hard to say how big of an issue it is. Um, we've definitely caught a lot of people. Um, and there's 
almost certainly people that have cheated who are still on the leaderboards and they just haven't been caught because the only people we catch are people who you know, cheated in a way that was detectable. Sure. So um, it's an issue, but there's a lot of people that are very trustworthy. And I think for somebody to cheat more than once and do it long term, uh, people are going to get suspicious of them. And it's, I don't think there's that many high level people who cheat. I think it's often just like a one off thing someone does, right. and then they try to get away with it and hide. And, well, yeah. and like, and like you mentioned, like you get like you high, high, like the highest tier speedrunner, like these world records, the contender, those types of people, like you, you play these games thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. One of my favorite videos of yours that I've watched is the Contra record because mm-hmm. I, I love that game. I can never fathom beating it as fast as some of those guys do, right, but right. I, I love the original Contra games and uh, I'm watching that video. I'm like, dude, they must know every pixel of this game like every frame of this game inside and out so i would think it would probably be harder and harder to pass a a fake video off because i'm sure if someone posted a new world record everyone that's you know competing for the world record in in say a contra is going to watch that video to see how they did it and it's going to stand out right if something doesn't seem right in there they're going to notice it right yeah there's really tricky ways people can cheat though i mean they could splice which is where they take one part of one video and part of another one and put them together to make it look like a continuous playthrough right um and that can be really tough to detect even if you really know you know really understand how the game works and you're right but um yeah i mean if someone's doing something obviously fake it's usually going to be caught by speedrunning moderators right away because like you said they know what to look for they know what looks what looks off and they could they could detect it and it, and it seems like and, and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like more and more of the speed like a lot of these runs are being done on twitch now like that's one of the big things you see is with the clock on the the side of the, the screen with it counting down you know each checkpoint or the end of each you know milestones yeah. in the game and stuff like that yeah we call those splits and those are very easy to put on your on your stream if you're going to uh, if you're going to stream them because uh you could just open up this program called live split put it right on the stream and it's really easy to to go with it and then do you have to like so who's i've always sorry this is a dumb question but i've always wondered this because i watch those who stops the clock like does the program know when you've hit something to stop that clock or is there a moderator stopping it for you as you're going by generally it's the the speed runner themselves that stop it uh there's a few exceptions to that there's some games where um it it can auto like for pc games it can usually there's some splits that can auto detect when you're going on to the next stage and it'll split for you but often especially if people are playing on the original console they have to just press it with their hand or a lot of people use a foot pedal so they can just stomp and then it'll split Um, there's a few different ways people do it but yeah it's not usually someone else doing it for them it's either the computer itself or they're doing it manually oh the foot pedal thing makes i I, it's like i know it sounds dumb but that's one of those things that i've always and i could probably just google it but i'm always like dude how the fuck how are you like hitting that button so fast it's i love it so um okay so then i'll ask you this man how like because I would like to ask you for advice for a new speedrunner, but we'll get to that. How did you decide, like, because you said you've been running Mike Tyson's Punch-Out for about six years now, I, correct? Six years Yeah, six, yeah, it was sometime in 2015, I think I started, so six okay. years. And you hold several records, like you said, you've got the Mike Tyson record, and correct me if I say any of these wrong, if I'm not, have you got a the complete playthrough of the game? Like from start to finish record? Yeah, I've had that re- I've had that record for longer than the Tyson record, actually. And it's probably the one I'm most proud of. Okay. 
Um, but I'm flipping through your like your profile on speedrun.com and you, and like there are other games like Super Mario 64 is on here, New Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers. How does how, dude, what what for lack of a better term, what possessed you to try to beat these games that have frustrated so many of us since we were children as fast as possible? Like why start speedrunning? What 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 made you start wanting to do that? Ah oh, man, so what got me into this originally? It, it wasn't anything too different from how people get into it now. Um, I guess a lot of people now get into it from different YouTube videos. And that's kind of how I did it too. Like I would watch the Super Mario Bros. World Record or the Mario 64 record or a Mega Man record. And I was, you know, this was like 10 years ago. And I'd just be like, oh my God, how, how are these people doing this? I, this doesn't even make any sense. I didn't know you could do it like that. <laughs> that's how I feel um, right now watching your videos. That's how I feel right now. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so for a long time, it was just me watching that and, and, you know, loving it. But one day I discovered, uh, twitch.tv, which is where you could actually watch people do these speedrun attempts live. And that was just the coolest thing to me to be able to sit down and watch Andrew G play super Mario bros to try to get the world record for two or three hours. I mean, mm -hmm. I, that was like, like, I'm a pretty big sports fan. And for me, that was like watching the super bowl pretty much every day. It was like that exciting for me. Um, and I just started watching more and more and kind of branched out who I watched and which games I watched. And eventually it was like, all right, maybe I should try doing this too. Like I've seen Andrew G play super Mario bros like 10,000 times at this point, I could probably try to replicate what he's doing. Um, and that was the first game I ran actually was super Mario bros. Um, uh, I got, I think, I think I got a time that was maybe in the top 20 at the time, but nowadays it would probably be about 400th place. <laughs> Um, and it's and, even lower. I don't even know. Well, I'm looking at your, according to speed run, any percent you're 82nd in the world at four minutes, 58 seconds, and then 76, one hundredths. Yeah. Uh, at one point I was, I think up at 15th place, but keep in mind that that personal best of mine, that 458.07, uh, it's, I think it's almost three years old now. So okay. back when I got it, it was like, it wasn't like a super top level time, but it was, it was pretty good. I mean, it was a very respectable time. <laughs> Um, and now, now that there's more than looks like 1200 runs on the leaderboard, it's, it's only in uh, 82nd place, but, it's... Oh, but like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate your humility that like, it's, uh, I'm only the 82nd fastest time to ever beat super Mario, but I'm like, dude, you beat super Mario brothers in under five minutes. What the fuck people. I show the videos of the speed runs of the original super Mario brothers, to people, and they're like, that's fake. They're like, there's no way he's not even landing on pipes and stuff for the in Bowser's castle near the end where they do the, where you do that pixel jump off the middle of the pipe. And they, yeah, it's, it's the type of thing where it looks impossibly hard, but if you actually sit down and watch a tutorial and put some consistent practice into it, it's really, you know, getting just a decent speed run of super Mario bros. Isn't that hard to do. A lot of people could do it, even though it seems intimidating. Right. And like you said, so you started like, cause it, like I, I have little interest. I just, I have such a, I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't know if you play a lot of modern games or not, but like I have to, I'm always playing stuff for this podcast. Plus I, I just, I, my backlog is ridiculous. I don't have time to play anything over again. Mm -hmm. um, but I do watch those videos and I understand how you say that you watch them and then decided like you wanted to try that. Cause I, I watch them. Like I've been watching the Ninja Turtle speed run now. And I'm like, dude, I would love to just sit down and give that a shot. And the thing is, is when a world, like you said, you can be Super Mario Brothers in five minutes. So if you put, if you put two hours into practice runs on this, in theory, you could get, you know, 20, you know, 15, whatever the math is, like what, 20, 20 runs in there. If you want, you know, if you yeah. wanted to, 
So mm -hmm. it just, I guess it is just, it's a lot of practice and repetition, but it just, it, it's intimidating, it, man. It is, but you know, so if, I don't know if you saw my profile, Mario 64 is one yeah. game that I ran. Um, I am awful at Mario 64. All right. I, I am not, <laughs> I just have no real game sense. I, I can't, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I just, for some reason, the 3d movement in that game has always thrown me off, even though I played it a fair amount. I just, I'm not good at it. Um, even, and that all being said, I was still able to learn the speed run of it because I wanted to. Right. And I was able to get a time of 2216, which is not very good. I mean, I think that's like below the 50th percentile on the, on the leaderboard. It's not a very good time. A lot of people are faster than that, but even being as terrible at the game as I am. And as I still kind of am, I was still able to complete a pretty good speed run of it and a speed run that would look impressive probably to, a fair amount of people watching it. So right. it, it, it is something that anyone can do. You just need to put time into it and practice. Do you, do you find it harder to do? I don't know how, how active you are on, on Twitch these days. I know you have a Twitch account. Do you find speed running more intimidating or harder to do on Twitch because everyone's watching or do you find it more fun or easier? Cause you've got that almost the adrenaline, the pressure of everybody watching you. I used to have that problem at the start, right after I started playing on Twitch, it was a little more intimidating having people watching you. But after doing it for a few weeks, that kind of goes away. Um, and I've, you know, I haven't actually been streaming on there very much lately. But back when I was doing it regularly, it, after doing it for years, it's really not even something you think about that much. Right. It's not like they're all like, if they're coming to watch you, they're, they're probably not there to watch you fail. Like they're cheering for you. They want to see you. You, you have to be kind of a dink to watch someone stream while they're speed running and be like, I hope he loses. Like what the fuck's wrong? Like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. But I mean, it's Twitch. So you do get people oh. that like that to just waltz in. But Tell yeah, me about it's... it. <laughs> I've been on Twitch for six months and I only started it so that I could just hang out with the podcast listeners. And every once in a while, someone comes in and, and runs their mouth and it's like being a, I, 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 you can't heckle me like i don't care but i'm just like mm -hmm. you're a fucking loser like is this what you want to do with your life is go on twitch and chirp other like you're That's not bizarre. even right like it's one like because yeah. you said that you said speedrunners have this reputation of being you know nerds that play their games for thousands of hours and i and i think because it admittedly i kind of thought that i was like dude how many hours do you have to put into these games but that said i think that's a stigma that just follows gamers to some extent as a whole people think all we do is sit inside and play it's literally games. the same thing as like watching tv or exactly. casually playing call like you don't actually put more time into this than you would from any other hobby unless you're going for a really prestigious world record in which case maybe you are putting in four or five hours every day right. but for like 99 plus of speedrunners, you're really not putting that much time into this you're just doing it in your free time you're doing it for fun yeah you are doing it consistently and regularly but it's nothing more than any other hobby really Right. It's just instead of, you know, going from game to game to game, you're just playing the same game over and over again. Right. So. But, you know, it's it's new situations come up. You're it, it's like saying, you know, if you're a professional basketball player, it's like, OK, but you're just playing the same game over and over. How is that fun? It's like so many situations come up. A lot of stuff changes. There's a lot of different skills you have to master. Um, I think it's it's more like uh, people. I think people think it's like you're going out there and just shooting free throws for four hours every single day and there's right. really a lot more to it than just that 100 so. yeah 100 so something else uh and i won't keep you too much longer i'll let you get on with your friday uh, afternoon here but a couple more things i wanted to ask you man one is on and i just noticed this because i'm on your speed run page but i assume this is for everybody it shows what console you broke your record on like 
uh, NES Wii Virtual Console. One says SNES EMU, which I assume means emulator. Right, yeah. Uh, is it like, because most of the games I play, I, I admittedly, I like I've hacked my NES Classic, my SNES Classic, because those games just aren't like, Ninja Turtles is a good example. Like Nintendo is not selling, <clears throat> I can't buy that anywhere other than going mm -hmm. to like a flea market or something and buying a used copy that's probably overpriced. But in the speedrunning community, is it considered, uh, like, is it a faux pas to, to play it emulated, play it on a ROM or anything? Or like, does it matter? It's typically not frowned upon. There's some communities that will. Um, generally, as long as they allow it in the rules, you know, like if you go to a ver whatever game you pick and you look at the rules, and as long as they say you could play on an emulator, usually they specify a few different emulators that are allowed. Okay. Uh, generally, it's not looked down upon very much. It um, that, you know, there, there are some games that don't allow it for different reasons, like Super Mario 64. They actually separate the leaderboards if you play on an emulator because uh, there's less lag and there's a lot less load time and things like that if you play on an emulator. So it Makes ends sense. up being faster on an emulator. So they separated it apart. Um, but like Super Mario Bros, there's been a couple different times in the game's history that the record has been on emulator. And there hasn't really been any controversy at all from that. So okay, because I was curious if there's any kind. Because like, actually, if anyone in the planet is to ask about this, it's you. Like, I remember seeing something a little while back about Mike Tyson from from Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and about how I can remember who I saw say it because they included obviously not the Mike Tyson person; it's the Mr. Dream version. But that, that's yeah. on the NES Classic, and someone said that like it would be harder to beat on that on a current TV because. I, there's something about there's like a split second of of lag or input lag or something like do you is it does that kind of stuff matter yeah i could speak to that a fair amount actually especially yeah. for punch out um so there's a couple things that cause input delay which i think is what you're speaking of yeah um using a flat screen tv will pretty much always add a bit of input delay um and using i think any console with hdmi out for whatever reason causes some input delay um, if you have like a modded NES, I know that doesn't really add anything, but if you're playing a Wii, even if you play it on like a big tube CRT TV, there's still some input delay from the Wii and I don't really know why. Um, so generally when you're speedrunning these old games, especially a game like Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, which is very, it's reaction based and it's the type of thing where you really don't want your controls to be sluggish. Um, you know, if you go look at the leaderboard for Mike Tyson's Punch-Out right now, you will see that almost every single top level time was just on the NES. People buying an NES from the 80s, hooking it up to a CRT TV that was made at least 20 years ago <laughs> yeah. and playing it on that. Um, and that's because input delay for that game is just, it's crippling and it's really hard to get a good time without it. It looks like the top time from someone who played on an emulator was 12th place because they had a bunch of input delay. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so funny because like, I, like I am not a music guy at all. I don't know anything about music, but I know a lot of people say that like old, you know, Led Zeppelin, whatever those old albums just sound better on vinyl, like on their original press mm -hmm. vinyl and stuff like that. And I, I can't speak to it cause I don't know, but it's so funny because like, like I, I play everything now on my, my hacked mini consoles on my flat screen TV, but I grew up in the eighties and the nineties. And there is just something about playing it on those classic big fat CRT TV. There's they, they're just, there's something about it that just feels better. I get it. I understand exactly what you're saying. I it's, 
That's just funny. Yeah, you, you mentioned you were struggling against Bolt Bowl 2. I would recommend trying it on a CRT TV if you have the ability to, because that would make it actually a fair amount easier. And you'd probably notice it right away too. I'm sure, dude, like it's like punch out's one of those games, dude, right? Like, I don't know, once a year, I'll, I'll put it in my head that like this, I'm going to fucking sit down and beat this. Cause like, I've done that with other games. Like I, I'll sit down and figure out and like super punch out. I, I love, I, I own, like, I don't have speed records, but I own that game. I love it. But punch out just owns me. And every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure out how to beat this fucking game. But yeah, I am playing it on my hacked NES now on these TVs. And I'm not that good at it to begin with. And I won't lose a fight. I won't even, I'll barely even get knocked down. And then Soda Popinski will murder me. And then if I squeak by him, Ball Bull is just mm -hmm. like, I'm bent over ready. Like he's going to have his, and I'm like, fuck, I'm never going to beat this fucking game. So maybe I'm just going to use that as an excuse. I have it here on the podcast from an expert. It's not my fault. It's the fact that I'm not playing it on a CRT TV. So. Honestly, I think Mike Tyson's punch out is about twice as hard if you're playing it on an LCD screen or on an emulator. It is a lot harder to beat the game. Yeah, like, you I, hear I'm that? Serious. Everybody, so no more chirping me, you fucking hot dogs. <laughs> it's not my fault. It's the goddamn technology is the problem. I like uh, that insult, calling them hot dogs. It's oh, like that's a, nice a team. Uh, <laughs> that's our community. I don't know. That started a long time. They're the hot dogs. That's what they are yes. now. The, they're the hot dogs. Uh, so a couple more questions for you, dude, and I'll let you go. One, do you have any, so obviously you're the, you're the world record holder at, uh, everything Mike Tyson's punch out, which is so fucking God, I would be singing that from the tops of mountains. <laughs> do you have any goals? Like, is there anything you're working on? Is there a record that you want that you're working actively toward breaking right now? I haven't actually done too much speed running in the past few months. I'm hopefully going to get back into it, uh, later on in the year. I've just been focusing more on the YouTube side of things, but I am always looking to improve the the full game record and the Mike Tyson record. Those are the two that I just want to keep taking lower and try to see if I can hang on, hang on to them for as long as I can. So if somebody comes a lot, like if so, let's just say for argument's sake tomorrow, somebody came along and beat one of those records. Like, would you like, obviously you'd be gracious. You seem like the type of person that'd be like, Hey, congratulations. So-and-so, but like, would you be getting on your horse tomorrow and being like, no, fuck that. Like, that's my, I want that back. That's mine. Yeah. Like, I mean the same day or next day, someone beats it. I'm going out there and trying to get it back and it's nothing <laughs> against them, but no. it's, it's, you know, I, it's what I got to do. I don't really have much of a choice in my mind. It's like, it's, I got to try. <laughs> that's how you become a champion, man. I love it. I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some people listening to this. So people in our community have been bringing up speed running for some time and they've been asking me to start talking about it. Like I, I'm shooting for this to be episode 140 and probably in the last 50, 60 weeks, like the last year, year and change of the podcast. Uh, I have, I have a minority, but a group of my listeners that have brought up speed running and being like, have you ever thought about mentioning what the current world record is for whatever game you're talking about and stuff like that? So there's obviously an interest out there from people, but I think a lot of people feel the same way I do, where it comes across as very intimidating. And like, I could never do that. Do you have any advice? It's hard to put you on the spot, but do you have any advice for anyone listening to this? That's ever thought about trying to attempt a speed run at a video game? Yeah, there's really two rules that I, well, they're not like rules, but like I guess pieces of advice that I tell people to follow. Uh, the first one is you don't need to just go into it chasing a world record. Um, and in fact, if you do go into it trying to get a world record right out of the gate, you're probably going to give up and get frustrated because you're not going to get there for a while. Um, I've had people who are like, oh man, I really want to try speedrunning Super Mario Bros, but the record is just, it's so low. Like, I don't think there's even a point in me trying to, to play it. It's like, you don't, you could still do speed running and not go for the record. In fact, that's what pretty much every single world record holder out there, they didn't start speed running because they wanted the world record. They just did it because they wanted to speed run it and wanted to have fun with it. 
So really, I guess the best advice I have for you if you're doing it is do it. Uh, don't necessarily go for a record right out of the gate. Just see what sort of time you can get. And then once you get good, once you start getting lower and lower, then it'll kind of naturally fall into place if you want to start going for the record. Um, that's pretty much exactly what happened to me with Mike Tyson's punch out. I was just watching punch out runners play it a lot, decided to try it too, got near their times. I was like, dang, this is pretty fun. I wonder if I can get the record now, tried it a bit more and it just fell into place. So would you, would you recommend that some, like just, I'm going to use myself cause that's what I have sitting here. Like I'm really gotten into that Ninja Turtles game since I figured out that it's not impossible. Like it was mm-hmm. when I was a kid, would you recommend that I watch videos of, of the world record holders to see what they're doing? Or would you recommend playing it on my own first and seeing how bad I, good I can do it before I start trying to emulate what they're doing? Uh, there's really not one perfect way to go about it. Um, I would say if there's a tutorial out there and there probably is for a popular game like uh, Ninja Turtles, I would try watching that and seeing what they do. Um, and then uh, I would just try to apply that to your own skills. See if you could do what they're doing in the tutorial, try it out a bunch. I probably wouldn't recommend just watching the world record and trying that because a lot of times they're doing things that are almost impossible for you to do without a ton of practice. Right. Um, but yeah, if there's a tutorial, I definitely recommend watching that if you want to try it out. Okay. And then, uh, well, listen, man, like, dude, this has been, like I said, I, I reached out and, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, dude. When I originally messaged you on Twitter and was like, Hey, would you mind coming on my, would you be interested in coming on the podcast? I had no idea about your Mike Tyson records or anything. <laughs> I just really enjoyed your videos. Cause you're, you're, you seem like a very humble dude. You didn't flex on any of these records. Then once I, once you agreed, and then I watched that Matt Turk video and I was like, Oh my God. And then I started doing my homework and I was like, Holy fuck. Like this guy knows he's not, I just want to talk to you about your YouTube videos. And I was like, this guy knows his shit. This is you, you're great at this stuff. So I, I really want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to come on here and dealing with my fucking schedule too. That's very nice. Um, yeah, no, I- thank you for having me. I, I love doing podcasts like this and uh, I know I don't talk about them too much in my videos, but I mean, it's kind of fun to come on here and talk about Mike Tyson's punch out and my records with people, even though, uh, I know I have that reputation for being humble, but it's fun for me to do this. So uh, thank you for having me. Of course. I would believe that, man. Where uh, I'll put it all in the description box and everything when I post this. But uh, I, I do, listen, guys, I cannot recommend you check out Summoning Salt stuff enough. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, just go to YouTube, type in Summoning Salt, and it should pop up right away. There's uh, there'll be videos titled The History of Whatever Game World Records. and that, Those are mine killer and then and then you said well you're not you said you're not really too active on twitch these days eh yeah i have a twitch account called summoning salt um i've what's cool is there every single time i release a video i do a watch party there right when i release it so it's it's kind of a fun place to hang out and watch my videos right when they come out that's sick yeah guys seriously it's in the description box of this podcast like i'm giving him uh Saul, have you ever played slay the spire do you know what that I game is? Not, okay. No. So Slay the Spire is the unofficial official game of the podcast. Like I've probably sold 200 copies of that fucking game and I don't get a dime for it. I just love it. <laughs> like I endorse it at that level. You guys, I'm endorsing Summoning Salt's videos at the level I endorse Slay the Spire. They are that, if you're interested in any of these Whoa. old games, they're that entertaining. They're well done. This isn't, you're not watching one of my videos. This isn't some dumbass that doesn't know what he's doing, trying to put something on YouTube. These are These are top shelf, documentary style videos but about the history of speed runs on certain games and they're absolutely fascinating man i thank you so much for coming on and uh you have a fan in me i'll be watching your stuff moving forward this your fantastic work thank you 
Thank you so much. That's some very high praise and I appreciate it. So thank you. You got it, man. That's going to do it for this week's episode, Summoning Salt. Thank you so much, dude, for taking time to just talk to me. You didn't know who I was. He just was so courteous to take time out of his day to uh, hook up with me and talk a little bit of speed running. Congrats on all your success, both in the YouTube and the speed running world. And once again, everybody cannot recommend checking out his stuff enough. YouTube.com slash summoning salt. And you can find his info in the description to this podcast. And if you've never listened to remember the game before, and you're only here because of the summoning salt interview, thank you for checking us out. And I really encourage it. Go. If you, if you don't hate the tone of my voice and the way I swear a lot, and the way I struggle to say big words, uh, go back and check it out. We have 139 previous episodes sitting there. We're charting against some big podcasts these days. And uh, I just, I want to get rid of the toxicity in gaming and the gaming communities. I just want to talk about video games. So thank you all for coming by. Quick reminder, tickets for my comedy show are on sale right now. That show is Saturday, March 20th. So if you're listening to this after that, it was too late. 20 bucks Canadian. You only need one per household. Former Remember the Game Hall of Famer Mark McHugh is going to be there as well. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets are on Eventbrite. Just search for Adam Blank over there. And March 21st, this Sunday, is the deadline to sign up for our Patreon if you want to get a Remember the Game lanyard. Two bucks. US gets you access to every previous bonus podcast we've done, the future prog- bonus podcast that we've done. You can submit comments to the show, get into our Discord, DM with me, and I will send you a Remember the Game lanyard, patreon.com slash remember the game. And that's good enough. I'm on Twitch as well. Yeah, twitch.tv slash remember the game, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. Come and say hi. I spend as much time arguing with you guys as I do playing the games. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, yeah. I, I have nothing funny to add to the end of this. So I'm going to do my shout outs to all of the patrons. And reminder quickly too, if you're one of our newer patrons, uh, I record these at the beginning of every month. So all of the new people that have signed up in the last like 10 days, you will get in on next month because I only record it once a month because it's really long. But I'll do that right now. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you all again soon. Cheers. Remember the game is brought to you by our Patreons. We could not produce... All the podcasts, all the YouTube stuff, the Twitch streams, all the crap that we churn out without each and every one of your support. It means so much to me. So I would like to take a quick moment to thank every single person that has supported us at patreon.com slash remember the game. So prepare for me to fuck up a few names and a huge thank you to a novel console, Aaron Backer, Aaron Lawson, Adam Anderson, Adam Beasley, Adam J, Adam O'Shirello, AJ Freeman, AJ Jones, Alex Martinez, Amarok, Amy Gillen, Andre, Andrew Wright, Andy Hudson, April Zane, Ari Picker, Arpad Botos, Ashley Cronenbitter, A-Town, Ben Bouya, Ben Busha, Ben Drinken, Buganish, Bradley McHugh, Brandon O'Brien, Brandon, Brendan Hain, Brian McKay, Brian Robbins, Brian Medeiros, Brian Ransom, Charlie Medeiros, Chris Campbell, Chris Copland, Chris Fleury, Chris Goodfellow, Christopher Russell, Chris Sumner, Chuck Schlarp, Cody Poland, Corey, Craig Rutt, Crash Bandicoot, Chris Knife 007, Dan T, Dana Wutcherall, Dana Upton, Danny Vega, Dario Omen, Dave, Dave McGee, Dave Thompson, David Ray, David Schnatterer, Defunct, Derek Jane, 
Derpimus Prime, Desert Tortoise, Devin Gordon, Divalk, DNA Gaming, Doohow, Dominic S. Thompson, Doug Dorn, Doxer, Dylan, Electronic Emotions Program, Mfelf, Aaron Refu- Evan Refuse, Fake McHugh, Faro Vitali, Fer- Ferdy Martinez, Fraser Burns, Freddie Bovenkirk, G9PSX, Gary C, Geek Life Radio, Andre SJA Flash, Jafar, James Anderson, James Clark, Jared, Jason Cortez, JB Retromania, Jay Clutch, Jeff Johnson from Game on GNT, Jeffrey Mathis, Jer Bear, Jesse Clark, Joe Buck, Joe Gillespie, Joe Mack, John Doskus, John Quack, John Byrne 86, Jordan, Josh Morgan, Joshua Davis, Joshua, pardon me, Joshua Davis, Joshua Shenfield, K Jam, Kate Roberts, Casey Rarick, Keegs, Kelly, Kevin, Kevin Chincholo, Kevin Donlin, Kevin Hufford, Kinslayer, Kyle Paul, Lane Orr, Leon. Napscog, Les Winan, Luca, Luis Oliva, Mackenzie Wheeler, Mad Shibs, Makeshift Mallow Money, Mark Jones, Mark McHugh, Mark 209, Martin Greenwood, Matt Brown, Matt McLean, Matthew Davis, McJr, Mega Man 2 OG, Mercury 869, Michael Mathis, Mick Morse, Michael Hegg, Mike Cummings, Mike Mallowaney, Miklos Blackshaw, Miles from BringBackRetro.com, Morgan, MPG in Buffalo, Mr. Satan, Mr. Nick, Mr. Me Seeks 0406, Wolverine Films, Murat Pepper, Nathan Tremblay, Nathan W, Nevrop, Nick Sills, Nick Lu- Ninja Lunchbox 79, No One Cares, Pat Duddy, Paul Bullard, Parzival, PB McFadden, Peebs, Pie Messiah, Poops Loomis, Potato Bob Guy, Raging Demon, Retro Ghosty Ghost, Retro Bismol, Rex Sheldon, Robert Fuchsia, Robert Lippa, Rodrigo Tomazzi, Rogue Agent, Ryan Bayshore, Ryan Kinchin, Ryan White, Ryan Yeager, Sam Wright, Scott Brooks, Scott V, Sean Clifford, Seriously Ron on P, Sean Razine, Sharonic, Silver Grunion, Slick Rick, Spencer C. Weiss, Starro Probins, Stefan Fukasawa, Steve O'Connor, Stitch, Stupid Monkey, Super Mary Ho, That One Kid Nick, The Anti-Spatial Podcast, The Giraffe, The Honest Pokemon Trainer, The T-Word, They Call Me Badger, Thor the Hammer, Tim L., Tim Real, Todd O., Tom Kite, Tommy Reynolds, Tony Cherichetti, Troy <coughs> K., Tyler, Very Cool Dude, Vincent L., Vladstein, White Burrow, Wolfgang Darren, Juan V., Wyman Brooks, X Water, Yamcha, Zane Donovan, and Zoo Troy. That wasn't perfect, but I've done better. Uh, or done worse and better. I've done, anyway, good enough. There's your shout outs. I fucking tried. Thanks a lot for the support, everybody. I love you guys. Cheers. <laughs>